Welcome to the Concrete Conservative. This is yours truly, Mac on the Rock with Ed Vidal. Uh, what's the difference between what we're going to talk about today, the constitutional rights versus human rights? Well, I'll, I'll tell you later when I, when I tell you about my uh, meeting with some Venezuelan immigrants. Uh, but welcome, everyone. Today, we're going to be featuring Chris Ann Hall, and she always has some interesting takes on the Constitution. She's very courageous and, uh, and you is can not listen, afraid. you got to let people know they can listen to her podcast after yes. our show on Mondays. Every Monday from 8 to midnight, yeah. uh, Chris Ann's Liberty First University commentary on the Constitution and current events is available on our program. But today, she will be here live and in person, I hope. Uh, and she'll be calling with some of her latest concerns. Last week, we talked about the attempted coup. Uh, so hopefully, Chris Ann can uh, enlighten us on that and uh, further on. Let's, without further ado. This is WSQF, the Concrete Conservative. Who do we have the pleasure to speak to? This is Chris Ann Hall. How are you, Chris Ann? It's been a long time. I thought for a moment there you were, you were an android. I've only... I've only heard of you in recordings. I thought maybe you were a program. Well, we're running your podcast every Monday night, eight to midnight. Yeah, you're a real person. You uh, you you suffer and you feel for this country. I, I thought you were a computer for sure. I didn't believe that, but now now I know you're a breathing intellectual machine. Well, Chris Ann, well, what we do our best. What 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 are your? I was I was looking through your podcast. What are you? Uh, what are your concerns today? Uh, last week, we had a retired law professor, uh, Steve Presser, talking about the coup against our duly elected president. And we're always, in this program, we're always concerned about the administrative state and how it interferes with our Constitution and with our freedom. So what what's your concerns uh, this week? You know, um, my concerns are always uh, more uh, more broad than the attack on the president or any single entity, mm-hmm. because the reality is that the coup that, that your professor talked about with Trump is, is, if you could believe it, more dangerous than just simply the attack mm-hmm. upon Trump. This is an attack upon the due process of every American uh, and, and the rights of every American. If if our, if those in power can get away with implying that Donald Trump committed an obstruction of justice for a crime that was never committed, then that changes the landscape of the entire criminal justice system in America. It, it changes the landscape of of. Well, let me let me say it this way. It doesn't change, but it well, wait, let me her. let me say they let me say the power of the government over the liberties of the people. Well, let me say it this way: How can you impeach a Republican president for crimes committed by Democrats? I don't understand. <laughs> well, they claim that he is to be impeached for obstruction of justice. Yeah, because he was pissed but, off, but and he no told, obstruction of justice. Well, he was pissed off. He flew off the handle. He told his attorney, "Hey, fire that guy." That I but never they didn't. didn't. But they didn't. So there, the, well, that's it. Here's the, of justice uh, uh, accusation is to emanate from the investigation of Russian collusion and Russian interference, collusion with the Russians to interfere with the election, okay? The investigation determined that no 
illusion happens. And when you have no crime, you cannot impose a standard of obstruction of an investigation of a crime that does not exist. Yeah. Uh, so, so that is that is the problem. So this that's not a Democrat Republican thing. This is a due process. This is a criminal justice thing. This is a right of every American thing and a government standard thing. So why would the government mo- can apply that they can now uh, they can now accuse the president of a crime of of obstruction of justice for an investigation that made no that, that proved no crime whatsoever then every single american can now that the government does not like doesn't like uh opposes or doesn't agree with now some agents can come forward and invent a reason for investigation that has no criminal application whatsoever and then convict you of a crime of obstruction of justice for a crime that was never even committed. And this is a huge, huge alteration for the criminal justice. So you'll agree that from now on in criminal criminal law classes, we should read not only the uh, statutes and cases, we should also read Franz Kafka about how the administrative state will embroil you in your own misdoings, no matter whether you actually did anything wrong or not. Getting worse now. We just we just covered on the Christian Holmes show uh, today uh, a recent Supreme Court opinion that has to do with uh, retaliatory uh, arrest for people exercising freedom of speech. And so, what the Supreme Court said is that if an officer has probable cause that you've committed a crime, any crime whatsoever, then you cannot accuse that officer of retaliatory uh, arrest under, under, for, for the exercise of your rights of, of uh, First Amendment. So basically what the Supreme Court has said is, uh, let me give you a, a, a particular application here. Okay. Perhaps there's a journalist who is investigating a corrupt uh, police department, right? Right. So now an officer can follow this journalist around everywhere they go and wait till they exceed the speed limit by five miles per hour and then pull that journalist over and then issue a ticket, a very strict ticket, and then offer the journalist the statement. Unless you find something else to write about, there will be more of these tickets coming. Because not only did the Supreme Court say that if, a, if an officer has probable cause that any crime whatsoever has been committed, you have no allegation of retaliatory address, mm-hmm. uh, arrest. The Supreme Court has also said that the statements of the officer cannot be admitted as motivation to a retaliatory arrest uh, in this process because just mere probable cause removes the, the right of somebody to bring an accusation against an officer. Hmm. 
That's pretty ridiculous. When when was this case decided? Just now? Uh, just last just last week. Is this the one where uh, Justice Ginsburg sided with the so-called conservative majority? No, this is the one where Gorsuch sided with the liberals. Oh my gosh. Or, uh, well, actually, uh, well. Who were the liberals? Who were the uh, liberals? Gorsuch sided with the liberal justices because the liberal justices sided with the Constitution. It was Robert, Alito, and Thomas that uh, created the majority opinion, along with um, uh, uh, Ginsburg, who who concurred in part and denied in part, and Gorsuch concurred in part but denied in part. Oh. Uh, and said that it, what, what the majority opinion did under Roberts actually increased the power of the police state and diminished the exercise of our rights to freedom of speech, our rights to freedom of press, and our rights to uh, peacefully assemble. How do you think they're going to come out on some of the administrative law cases, like where... For example, the deference uh, to the administrative state is being challenged. Well, uh, I think that uh, if uh, well, let me. I can make a certain amount of prediction. I believe that that Roberts will go with the administrative state. I believe that uh, if if precedent is involved, involved and power of the judiciary is involved, then then Kavanaugh will go with the administrative state. Um, yeah. Thomas will probably will always go with more power to government, and he will complain that we're not giving enough power to government, <laughs> and Gorsuch will side with the Constitution. All right, well, and we thought they were conservative. I never did. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, you, for example, no, I told everybody from day one that Kavanaugh was not a conservative. Right, and I think Mark... His, his voting record proves that. Right. No, I think Mark Levin was another one that uh, was of the same view. Uh, I think. Well, yes, it's another. Uh, it's another. Well, it's another Bush. Another alliance. Bushy. You're right. <laughs> Bushy Roberts and Kavanaugh are kind of a couple of Bushies. You always got to, you know, even though uh, Souter is retired, you got to yeah. name Souter too and Kennedy. They're all Bushes. What do you know about uh, Amy Barrett uh, Comey? You know who I'm talking about, Seventh Circuit? Yeah, she's too Catholic to serve on the court. No, no, she'll get through. Well, 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 Ginsburg seems to be healthy. Was she even, was Ginsburg even at this trial? Yeah, she's she's back and sitting on hearing arguments. Okay. I I mean, I think the people should know that Ginsburg has been in ill health, and it's possible that she's doing this from home. No, I think she's back in the the arguments. She's back in the... So she's she's recovered. She's got this... uh, She's got her ashtray in hand and her... Yeah, trainer and 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 nutrition. She stopped smoking. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so send her a box of cigars, Manny. Yeah, I'm going to send her cigars. She should definitely gravitate from cigarettes to cigars. And learn Spanish. Right. We need a Retire from the court to to do all that. Chris, what do you think about just making an official bilingual... Is the answer no? Because you know the English only thing isn't isn't working for us. No, 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 no. We need to go English only. Let me give you an example here. Get ready, uh, Chris Ann, because I'm working with some Venezuelan American immigrants who are learning about their new country. They want to become Americans, which is different from being a U.S. citizen. And I went to their meeting last week, and there, in addition to all the usual trappings, 
uh, they had somebody speak up on the International Declaration of Human Rights uh, declared by, at the United Nations in 1948, and they thought that that's what they should stand for. I blew up at him and I said, look, in America, we stand by the Declaration of Independence from 1776 and the Constitution. What is the United Nations of Socialists? They had, they had, they were handing out these booklets in English and Spanish on human rights. Can you believe this? I mean, this is, uh, Manny and I are both, I'm an immigrant, Manny's a son of immigrants, and I think it's very important for when people think about immigration, not only does it have to be lawful and it has to be people who will not become charges on the public through the welfare state, but I also think we need people who are willing and able to become Americans. And part of becoming Americans is that you, you recognize your rights don't come from the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. They come from God. They come from God, and they're pre- declared and protected by the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. So I'm getting a whole box full of uh, these little booklets with the Declaration and the Constitution. I'm going to hand them out at the next Venezuelan American uh, citizenship event. What? They might throw them away. They might think it's some uh, Jehovah's Witness. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm getting them ready. I'm already sending them out. I mean, uh, it's pretty amazing how a good deal part of the, of the international world thinks that the United Nations is some kind of legitimate body. In fact, <laughs> the United States withdrew from the Human Rights Council last year. And if you look at the members, there are people like Saudi Arabia, Cuba, and Venezuela. And the, the country, Human Rights Commission. Right. And and the country, uh, the country that they can't even stand to live in, Venezuela, where they came from. Well, Chrisanne, what do you think about um, basically rescinding our charter with the United Nations and... Uh, moving the uh, move the United Nations building to Baghdad, and us remove ourselves. Geneva. Well, no, Geneva is too nice. <laughs> I wonder how many Americans realize that the United Nations building is uh, legally and technically considered foreign soil. Yep, yep. It's, yep. it's not American property. Right. I used so to what live there? The so United what? Nations building is considered foreign soil by our government. Right. Should never be allowed. So why, why why isn't it called the Rockefeller land? Since he they donated... gave it to the UN, it's an international territory. Unbelievable! And they so, don't pay their parking tickets in New York City either. That's another problem. Yeah, and, and uh, do you get a parking ticket if you park if you get a parking ticket right in front of the United Nations? That's in Manhattan. I don't know. You shouldn't be driving around in Manhattan. That's the first thing you should do. Yeah, that's true. All right, so but Christian, what do you think of that? I mean, can we? Uh, can I? Can I recommend your Liberty First University as a place sure. for new, new, uh, I- you know, immigrants trying to learn how to be Americans? Yeah, just send them to LibertyFirstUniversity.com and and tell them that that this is essential for them to understand. It'll help them pass the citizenship test. Well, not only citizenship, just knowing the basic right. Maybe you should come up with a. A, a basic course for immigrants, new new immigrants who want to be American. No, that means she, that means she has to learn Spanish. My, no. YouTube, my free YouTube video okay. uh, called Rights versus Benefits. There you go. Okay, I'll look for those. Yeah, but you got to translate it to Spanish. No, no, no. I told the other thing. I told him is they got to. This is all in English. You got to work in English. I haven't heard English spoken here in these parts in quite some time. That's because you. <laughs> Key Biscayne is like a, a a haven of expats from Latin America Chris and Anna, other places. Yeah, I, Chris Ann, I told you once that we had economic apartheid here on the island where the legitimate legal resident, because nobody's illegal here, are paying more taxes than um, the American citizen, and they don't get to vote for mayor or council member out here. So 
the American citizen gets about uh, $30, $40 million a year in taxes. Well, they get the, they're free to spend however they want. They're paying the, the, the expats from Latin America and Spain, I understand. Are paying high, lot. high, high. They're real, paying for a, a, real estate a refuge. Tax. Not only that, but the, I mean, remember they don't have homestead exemptions, so they're that's a local Florida yeah. thing, yeah. And I think it's for residents. If you're not, you can be, a, you don't have to be a citizen, but you can get homestead exempt if you're a legitimate resident of Florida. There are a lot of people there, and they're Chivas not, they're, they're, they're not, not declaring themselves as residents. Yeah, I think that's true also from people from blue states who have residences down here, but they're still registered to vote in New York or Connecticut and Canada. Because there's a lot of New Yorkers who, th- who actually want to be Canadians, you know. And Canadians, all right. Like uh, Mrs. Gillibrand, did you hear, did you see the town hall with... Uh, oh, yeah, she had Senator- a big fight. No, I didn't see that. It was pretty cool. Uh, she she came out fiery, you know, you know, with you know, a certain amount of tenacious uh, personality in her, and but she still sounded like Hillary Clinton, so either way... Yeah. But, Chris Ann, you see that we have to be educating not only U.S. citizens and people who are already Americans, but there's newcomers coming in every day. And so we need to keep uh, doing the educational work to, uh, to, to let people know that this is different from all the other countries. We are exceptional. We do not Absolutely. get our rights from government. Absolutely. We get the them from our creator. That the American people don't even know that, that right. America is exceptional. So, you know, I think that... The, yeah, they it, think that government gives us our rights. It's diluted at some point. Un- unfortunately... Uh, rights versus benefits. Okay, video. That's a YouTube video. So repeat that again? You, your YouTube videos on rights versus benefits. Is that right, Chris Yeah, Ann? that's the one. Rights versus benefits. I think that's a basic primer for, for anybody, and it's not, too, it's not too long. So that's the big confusion that our millennials have today is with Yeah, Gillibrand talked about that, too. She felt that health care was a right. Well, that's right. If you look at the United Nations, they also declare that you have all these rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, see, that's the problem with the, the United Nations is that we, we shouldn't even be making treaties with them. Uh, and the treaties that we make are unconstitutional and non-binding mm-hmm. because the federal government's not allowed to make treaties on things that that are not already enumerated and delegated as an authority. I mean, Jefferson made this, this very specific statement that, that the power to make treaties never authorized the government to make a treaty regarding something they didn't have the power to do uh, in the first place. So when you have a, a U.N. arms treaty, then, you know, the, about the individuals, it, well, let's put it this way, if you have a treaty with a foreign government regarding the rights of Americans, that's an illegal treaty. Right. Well, let me read you some of the these positive so-called rights. You have a right to affordable housing, medicine and medical care, education, child care, enough money to live on. And that, wow. What in the world does that mean? Because enough <laughs> I don't know. money for me may not be enough money for somebody else. I know. Somebody it else d- is enough money isn't enough money for me. No, that, and it's it, also allowing for... Rent control Easter. housing too. Rent control yeah, housing yeah. is communist. All benefits, okay? Right. Let me let me put it. If you have to take something from someone else and give it to another person, right. that is a benefit. If somebody is handing out something, that is a benefit. If it comes to you under 
accomplished by someone else. That is not a right. That is a benefit. Yeah, the, Barack Obama, early in the 2000s, while he was still a, a law lecturer, was interviewed by uh, Chicago Public Radio WBEZ. And that's a good example. He went through and he complained about the U.S. Constitution because the U.S. Constitution doesn't have all these positive benefits. He called them you know, positive rights that are in meant so many of these other constitutions. I can tell you that there are plenty of constitutions in Latin America that have all these positive benefits in them, and they never get uh, complied with. So uh, I would much rather stick with the U.S. Ver uh, version of rights and leave people alone to get their own uh, affordable housing and medical care and uh, other other benefits, and then leave people to free to work and get those things on your own so you don't have to depend on government, because that's the other thing. If you depend on government, then you become a serf of the of Caesar, yeah, and he can tell you what to do, and he can withdraw what he's given you. Well, absolutely. Who pays the piper dictates the tune, and once right. you become... Uh, comfortable in, in the provisions, then you become complacent and compliant. And that's, I mean, that's why government wants us to be confused about the difference between rights and benefits. And that's why everything that's a benefit they want to call a right, because they want the people to become addicted so that they can create forever subjects. This is kingdom-style mentality, and the, 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 the sadness is twofold. The sadness is that these people in power are doing exactly what we should expect them to do because of these things that people in power have done since, since the invention of government. The, the other side of the sadness point is that we have people in America that we would generally classify as conservatives, possibly, and, and, and Republicans, possibly, who are actually also confused about the difference between rights and benefits and how to solve these problems. Yeah. So the very people who, by their own self-identification, should be the ones fighting for limited government are the very are the ones that are very the very ones that are arguing for greater benefits and less rights. Yeah, that's the funny thing about these Venezuelan immigrants. They just left a, a socialist country where they were supposed to have all these rights, and look what it turned into. In, uh -huh. including one of the things that the uh, Wait, communist government, they took away the guns about 2012. They they outlawed private gun ownership. And now you can see in the streets, the Venezuelan people don't have any guns. They're throwing rocks. But, you know, the army oh, and the minute. security Time forces out. has all the guns. Time out. They also have massive amount of guns in the streets in the hands of gangs. And well, but they're government gangs. They're, they're government, yes. government gangs, which, so they're part of the government security forces. The, the private sector has almost no guns at all now in Venezuela, and that was done on purpose to disarm the people so they couldn't resist. Absolutely. I mean, once they disarm us... The Second Amendment we're is... We're in deep, deep, deep. ...essential. So, I mean, all these theoretical arguments, you know, I'd like to see John Paul Stevens go visit Venezuela so he can see what happens if you take away the Second Amendment. Yeah, him coming out with that, letting that slip, that was a slip of thought. Yeah, no, he, he's just a, 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 a government... Uh, and he's, gun good, grabber. and he's a good he's in good health, so he'll be there a no, while. No, he's an old guy. John well, no 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 Stevens is retired. What people really need to understand is that those in power can do whatever they want to the Second Amendment. That does not eliminate our right to keep and bear arms, because our right to keep and bear arms is a right. A right that emanates from natural law itself. Right. Samuel Adams called it a the direct derivative of the first law of nature, the duty of self preservation. And so that's why we, we uh, those of us who are aware, 
need to stop referring to it as the Second Amendment right. Because every time we utter that phrase, Second Amendment right, we reinforce that our right is derived from the, from the writings or from government. And so when somebody amends, alters, or revokes the Second Amendment, then the majority of the population, because of the way we've spoken for the last 50 decades, is, is just somehow consumed now with this idea that the Second Amendment is just something that, that's an invention. No. Well, what I told the Venezuelans is that our rights come from our Creator and from uh, nature and nature's God. And so it's not something that the government gives you. So even if the government were to take away the protection, which is what the Constitution does, it the Constitution and the Bill of Rights seeks to protect pre-existing rights. So even if the government were to take away that protection, you'd still have that right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the fact that government is attempting to revoke it and regulate it is an indication that you have a an evil and oppressive government. And that's not a standard that we've established today. That's actually a standard uh, for identifying evil and oppressive governments that's been in existence since, uh, for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So what's our conclusion for the segment? What are we basically saying to our immigrant brethren Learn American history. Learn where American rights come from, and to heck with everything else. <laughs> and learn English. Yeah, understand the difference between rights and benefits, and then fight for rights and limit the benefits. Because the more power government has to increase the benefits, the less uh, power the people will have to preserve their rights. All right. Well, that so that pretty much sums it up. So, yep. uh, Chrisanne, when are you going to call us back? You know, uh, you just have to uh, look. I am not in charge of my schedule. My assistant handles all of that. Oh, so that, so- that, that sounds that like her. Janet. Yes, I know Janet. Okay, he, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to say it was the husband. No, know. Janet. She's in Texas. Well, you know. Yeah, Janet handles all my. She handles my husband's schedule too. So, you know, he he does interviews and teaching as well. You may want to have him on the show. Oh, okay, yeah. Nah, we're we're misogynist, macho man here. <laughs> and we, we want the ladies first. No, and you're both welcome when you visit South Florida to check in on Key Biscayne. Yeah, come okay, see. Yeah. Great. We're right above the Ace Hardware store. Yeah, come All see right. Lost uh, well, Key Biscayne. It used to be called Paradise Found. Now it's Paradise Lost and Found. Oh, <laughs> okay, great. Thank well, you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Okay, Take thank care. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that was right. it. Was nice to hear Chrisanne. And, yeah, uh, I think it's it, she's on to something. Her education work. Wait a minute. I think on, you're. I think you're on to something. What's that? You you ran into a bunch of Venezuelans, and now you know you think you're Thomas Paine all of a sudden. No, I'm just straightening them out, and they're not. You know, they're they're happy to get. I'm getting them a whole bunch of these uh, booklets with the Declaration and the Don't Constitution. Don't you think that was a whole coy to get a free Constitution? That's okay. I, I just I wrote to the Heritage Foundation. They're sending me a box. And you look like you you fell asleep on top of your Make America Great Again hat. Could be. I've never seen it in such poor condition. I guess you're you're overconfident that Trump's going to win re-election. Actually, Absolutely. you know, what did you think about Trump showing up at a Virginia church the other day and got a blessing from the pastor out of nowhere? He was in Virginia. He went to go look at his properties. He needs all the blessings he can get. And he That's showed good. up. He showed up. You know, without his red tie, without his blue suit. Just, no, I, I think he had been at. Uh, he'd been playing golf. Yeah, been playing golf. Yeah, he looked sunburnt, and uh, he was just a regular coat and uh, like a golf shirt underneath. Good. And he just floored this church, and they were talking about it. And apparently, uh, you can't see the what happened before he walks in, but 
Um, he the the pastor apparently probably knew he he was coming, so he was referring to the president. We need to pray for our president. Play well, for Sunday our... was a prayer for the president day. Oh, Franklin that's Graham. Why... Franklin Graham had proclaimed that. Oh, see, I always can count on victorious. See, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, because I'm I go to a, a, a Christian church, so we know about that stuff. Wow, that's what connects the dots for <laughs> yep. me. Yep. Thank uh, God. Franklin See, Graham. I depend only on Instagram, not, not Graham. Franklin Graham had, uh, it, it went out on the internet, pray for the president on Sunday, and I hope you know, a lot That's of people That explains did. why he would show up at the neighborhood church in Virginia mm-hmm. and just floor everybody and just stepped in. He very quietly took off his hat, stood behind the pastor, and the pastor made references to him. Yeah, but he'd been playing golf, so then he had hat hair. Yeah, he, had, he was hat-headed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It was white. It wasn't a Make America Great Again hat. It was probably the, the hat His of the golf, club. Yeah, because you want a white white hat to, uh, to to bounce away the sun rays. So, yeah, that's good. Damn. Is that's that, is that on fire today or what? I is used it? to play golf before my rheumatoid, uh, my arthritis got the better of me. Jeez. My wife still plays golf. Jeez, you, you, like, my kids you play threw golf. out some, silent, some solar uh, scientific uh, Absolutely. Rationale. That's what you got to do it. Yeah. Unbelievable. But no, the Trumpster is now in London, and uh, I guess it's going pretty well. I was well. awake, wide awake, watching him land for 3 or 4 in the morning, my time. It was quite a thrill. I love how Melania goes, uh, uh, climbs the jet in one dress and comes out dressed again. Oh, she's a superstar. She is just a first lady of all first ladies. She goes in, uh, you know, in Washington, she enters a plane with one dress and comes out with another in London. It's just too much. It's like... Uh, it really is a, 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 a spectacle for the fashionistas out there. You know? Well, I think the great thing about Melania is that she's an American, you know. From a communist country. No, but she, she volunteered to come to America. She came to America lawfully, and she came to work not to become a dependent on welfare. And she really loves her country. So it's a big difference from, say, you know, the, the prior first lady who resented America, was not proud of America's victory in the Cold and War. And came here illegally, you think? Well, I don't know if she, No, 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 she came legally, but I don't think she came... Her ancestors didn't come voluntarily. So she's not... Uh, a, a, she was not really a, a good example of an American patriot who is happy to be here, learns the uh, Constitution, learns about the Declaration, realizes that it's much better than all the alternatives out there, and uh, really embraces the the country, the the new ideology. See, you can be a United States citizen. That's a legal status. But being an American is an ideology. It's a conviction. That's uh, what it, we're trying to prove here. That's what we're trying to show. We we've don't. Sh- you know, we've we've shed our Cuban ways. Absolutely, absolutely. And and English is the language of freedom, and freedom is the oppor- uh, opportunity for prosperity. And except Spanish, if you're in a public school classroom. Well, yeah, that's right. And we're working on that. That's why we're going to talk about the parent uh, guardianship schools later. Uh, why'd you open up that can well, of Well, because you, know you talked so- about schools. Whenever you talk about schools, you always talk about that. And I think that... Uh, I have to somehow get you to turn off your phone when we start our show. All right. It is quite distracting. You have to, like, tell your wife, honey, I can't love you for what three you, hours. Why do you think that's my wife, you know? I have uh, full knowledge that it's uh, your wife. Uh, only okay. she, only a wife of 20-something years calls <laughs> repetitiously four or five times until you answer. Now she's calling the landline. There you go. Jeez, here we go. This is WSQF 94.5. You're listening to the Concrete Conservative, yours truly, Mac and Ed Vidal. Who do I have a pleasure to speak with? This is Christopher Butler. Christopher Butler, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling, Chris. I want to tell our, our audience that you are with Americans for Tax Reform, 
and I met you a couple of weeks ago when you guys came down to uh, Miami for the Miami Freedom Forum meetings. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks. Why don't you tell our audience uh, what uh, Americans for Tax Reform does and how uh, Miami Freedom Forum is one of a, a world network. So uh, Americans for Tax Reform was started in 1985 at the request of President Reagan. And um, he started Americans for Tax Reform for the same reason that Barack Obama started Organizing for America, which is to say to um, do political organizing in support of the uh, president's agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, in our case, we think that we were started for good purposes. Uh, but um, one of the first big projects that we worked on was the uh, what became the Tax Reform Act of 1986. And that was a great achievement. And it really was. Uh, we we uh, were able to dramatically cut uh, rates for personal uh, on personal income taxes and on businesses, and make the tax code a lot more simpler and more fair. At the same time, uh, and it really unleashed a great period of growth in uh, the American economy that lasted for decades. Uh, but we um, since then we've branched out and we do a lot of work on. Um, uh, uh, bringing people together around conservative issues and uh, both um, uh, on taxes but also on other fiscal issues. And one of the ways that we do that is through events like the Miami Freedom Forum, where we uh, we have um, today we have uh, over 48 we have 48 meetings now mm -hmm. in various states around the country where people regularly get together, and we have. 29 of these meetings internationally. We just Great. launched a Venice, and there's an organizing meeting in Paris next week, actually. Oh, but those are nice cities. Would you have any in Caracas? Uh, there actually is a meeting, uh, believe it or not, okay. in Caracas. All right. Um, it um, changes locations every week right. because to stay out of the reach of the government. Yep. Um, but it's, uh, it's very that, exciting. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, so now what's... what's um what are you all doing now in terms of uh, support of Trump's well, one initiative? Of, one of the things that uh, he's been working on, and he's, he promised to tell us about it, is that he's working on this issue of whether the state of Florida should import pharma, prescription pharmaceuticals from foreign countries like Canada, and whether that really opens up a different can of worms or not. Now, I've talked to some of the other libertarian groups about this, and they say that the real problem is that all the regulations that are in place but uh, maybe, Chris, you can tell us about the Americans for Tax Reform issue, because I know you guys have been running ads on one side of this story, and on the other side we have the America AARP, uh, which is usually uh, a left-wing organization, but I think Governor DeSantis is siding with them. So maybe you can clarify the issue. Yeah, um, we're disappointed to see that uh, Governor DeSantis uh, had sided with them on this. He's almost always right, I would say 99% of the time. Uh, we've we worked with him well when he was in Congress and have as governor as well. But on this issue of reimportation, I think that um, I think that he's been given some bad advice. We have um, the problem with re with uh, importation of prescription drugs from places like Canada or Mexico is that the um, is that well, there's really two problems. One is that you're importing price-controlled medicines. So um, 
and price controls are bad because it's kind of the fundamental building block of a planned uh, socialist economy. And so all those things and all those problems that people have in any socialist economy that are created by price controls would then bleed over into the healthcare pharmaceutical sector uh, in the United States. So uh, problems like shortages and lack of innovation. I mean, in the, the socialist planned economies, you can look at things like uh, uh, the Trabant, for example, in East Germany oh, yeah. in terms of innovation or um, uh, uh, the shortage of bread in the Soviet Union or places like that. These were re- – and rice in uh, Vietnam after right. the end of the Vietnam War. I mean, the these things are caused by price well, controls. Yeah. And in these places like Canada uh, and elsewhere, these are the reason the medications are cheaper there is because of these imposed price controls. So when you import that, you're importing their price controls, but you're not importing Canadian medicines. And the reason for that is that these um, these pharmaceutical companies are not going to sell additional medications through these socialized medicine systems simply for them to export them to the United States. Uh, I mean, Canada, the, the size of the Florida economy is uh, within an order of magnitude of the of the uh, economy of Canada, right. it's simply not going to happen. Right. So they're going to come from places like China and India and places like that. So it's, it's, there's no way that it can be done safely, um, even setting aside the very formidable problems of, uh, of price controls and what they would do to uh, innovation and supply. Well, the bigger issue is uh, if China starts you know, manufacturing, as they have been, thousands and thousands of ge- generic drugs in this country, they, you, you can you can only wait and see what's going to happen because remember the the dog food scandal uh, in the United States in pet supermarket where Chinese dog food was laced with poisons because they also <laughs> used that same factory for fertilizers and uh, yeah quality control quality control is an issue yeah. in China and the same thing has happened with plastic toys and also you know with the um, there's been so much that's come into the country in the way of counterfeit medicines now from people that just go online. And a lot of people just go online and search for pharmacy and order from some unknown pharmacy outside the United States, impressed with the cheapness of the prices. And they get these uh, counterfeit medications, or um, they, in some cases they're diluted, and um, the um, in some cases they're laced with different kinds of narcotics or things like that to simulate proper effects, proper side effects so that people don't know. It's really, it can be deadly in some cases. Um, now, this would not, this would, you know, ostensibly this law would not come into effect unless, um, to be fair, unless um, they were able to certify, unless the FDA was able to certify these medications. But there's just no way to really square the circle between being able to um, safely and successfully certify everything that's coming in and then at the same time allowing the volume. So you kind of have to choose one or the other. But that kind of brings me to one of the bigger problems, which is that at the end of the day, if we pass things like this in a number of different states, we're going to be in a position where we have endorsed conceptually the idea of price controls. 
So it's really a very small, uh, it's a very small step to then go moving towards price controlled and socialized medicine in this country. So um, uh, while somebody like DeSantis would never go for that in the United States, unfortunately, I think this kind of lays the groundwork for somebody, the next person down the line to take that step. And for that reason, um, I mean, I think that reason alone would be enough to oppose something. Does, does the United States uh, Department of Health and Human Services support these uh, importation policies? Uh, I, I've been told no. Okay. Um, the I'm signals sure. have been a little bit ambiguous coming yep. out of the administration right. on some of these. Um, uh, I think there's some frustration because, uh, on the one hand, some people want to some of the people in the administration want to uh, approve things like this, but then there's pushback uh, from the safety side when they say that we can't certify this. And then on the other side, there's pushback on the policy side from people that um, are trying to find our own domestic solutions to uh, the problems with some of the high prices that we deal with in prescription drugs. And isn't the FDA a lot of times at fault because they're so slow in approving drugs? Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's it, it the the price, the, both in terms of price and in terms of the approval process. Uh, what we're looking at right now, I mean, in terms of time, it takes about eight times as long for a drug to be approved now as it did uh, as it did just 20 years ago. And price, and, and in terms of price, it's really dramatically more expensive as right. well. In order to navigate things through this different process, it's gotten uh, much more complicated and uh, much more onerous. We had a pretty exciting thing that began at the state level called Right to Try that people right. might be familiar with um, that started just on a, being passed in state different state legislators that moved from state to state. President yep. Trump signed this into law this year um, where we allowed uh, we allowed people that are terminally ill to, to try new drugs and move them, uh, allowed them to try new drugs that have been proven for safety while the FDA continues to, tr to uh, test for efficacy. Um, and uh, this can be an answer for some people that have no other place to turn. It's kind of exciting. But um, it, it brings to bear the point that there are a lot of different things that we can do to smooth this process out right. and to get medications to market more quickly. We've done it with HIV medications, in particular created uh, specialized pathways to get those to market more quickly. And there's no reason we can't do this for a wide variety of drugs, including biologics. Yeah, well, FDA is a good example of how good intentions. I mean, I remember back reading books like The Jungle about how the uh, meatpacking plants in Chicago were so unsanitary. So we founded the FDA, and now it's become, the regulator has become a barrier to entry, protecting the established companies, protecting the established drugs. And like you said, I didn't realize over over the last twenty years, it's gotten eight times longer to get a drug approved. I mean, that's like, you know, that's like our banking system, which is being controlled by fewer and fewer banks because no, no new licenses are being given. Um, it's a really bad example of how regulation can clog. It starts out with good intentions, uh, but it, it winds up clogging the system. Yeah, it, it's, it's really unfortunate. I think a lot of times this administration really has the right impulse in terms of reducing the regulatory burden, and it's, it's an approach that we need to take in the healthcare sector, too. Yeah, because I think this administration has been very good at, for example, in the environmental and energy sector, mm -hmm. 
Uh, that's definitely been very positive. I'm, I'm from Texas in part, so I know about that. And also, I think in the labor area, they've recently uh, uh, rolled back some of the excesses of the Obama Labor Department and National Labor Relations Board, things like having the franchisor be considered the, the co-employer of mm-hmm. the franchisee. So, so this is an area where I think the uh, Trump administration could do some more work. Of course, the... Uh, Trump administration's deregulation czar is now on the federal circuit. So I hope they get another uh, deregulation czar. Did you just use czar? Czar, yeah. During the Trump administration? Absolutely. She was the deregulation czar. Deregulation czar. I think that's blasphemy. Yeah. Naomi Rao. She was good. We're over that czar thing. Yeah, well, you know. Come on, man. Stop mixing the lexicons. Now, uh... One question I wanted to ask you, you all, do you all ever lobby uh, at the state level things other than uh, economic and, uh, and trade-related issues? I mean, do you ever lobby, like if in my case, I have a tremendous interest in, in amending the Florida par- uh, Parent Empowerment Law, which allows parents to take back schools with an inter-school vote. Is that, is that something that your organization would even consider listening to? Yeah, we would. We would. We have done uh, a lot of things around the school choice issue at the state level. Um, School choice has the potential to save a tremendous amount of resources for state governments in addition to helping uh, parents and students to achieve more. So we have been focused on the school choice issue more broadly, but also on educational transparency. Um, making sure that parents know what's going on in their public schools. We've, we view this as kind of responsibility to taxpayers to provide transparency at levels of state and local government. So it is, you know, it kind of fits in that wheelhouse. We would be interested in looking at that, but we haven't done so yet. Yes, it's, uh, it's a monumental. Uh, it was a watershed moment back in 2013. I was the first to use the law. And I was mm-hmm. able to, and I was able to expose its inadequacies. It, it denies uh, the parent proponent. In other words, the parents have fired the trigger letter. It mm-hmm. uh, it denies them their civil rights. Uh, it allows their uh, teachers to abuse their kids because the teachers and the parents vote separately in separate ballots, and the parent proponent has to win both elections by a fifty plus yeah, one. Yeah, you margin. shouldn't have to have the the teachers approve uh, a parent guardianship transfer, but. It was passed there by law. It was passed by Lawton Childs, and then uh, Jeb Bush sat, oh. sat on it uh, for eight years because it originally came from his platform. Only it was passed in this manner, and then Charlie Chris promulgated it in 2010, and I used it in 2013. And I was PTA president at the time. They, you know, they stormed the stormed the cafeteria, demanded <laughs> I resign for calling for this vote. Wouldn't allow me to sit on the panel after they called for a family forum Q and A about two weeks later. Uh, a week, it's a week. The election is actually one week's time. In other words, five days of elections, and fifty percent of the of the school community must vote to begin with, or else it's it, it fails. But it's not, you know, a parent, it's not a parent empowerment law. It's a teacher empowerment law, yeah. based on how it's written. The teachers' unions are they're not going to give up their monopoly easily. Uh, they voted 83 nothing. One person abstained. Well, one person voted yes as a parent, no as a teacher, because she had or he had a child in the school. There was four parents with children in the school that were also teachers. So nobody really knows who they were. I know they were female because since I was the parent proponent, I could see the handwriting on the ballot, and I could see that it was a female's handwriting. And uh, unless it was a transgender teacher, but that, yeah. that, you know, that's possible, too. And, but <clears throat> I'd like to um, um, 
you know, I got the attention of uh, Governor Scott. I had his attention for about one or two years. He promised upon his reelection that he would uh, marshal this in. And uh, they all basically told me flat out to my face, uh, senators and representatives alike, you go get the votes and we'll support it. And I said, the audacity of that, isn't that why we elect you all to do the hard work? I'm just a citizen who put up his put his money where his mouth is and got the legal precedent set. Because that's the only positive affect I had on this law is that now there's a legal precedent. But I think I've done more damage since then because uh, three schools have converted and they all had teacher support. And one of the schools did exactly what I thought would happen, which was they saved budget surpluses. Uh, Roulette Elementary in Manatee County, and they were able to purchase uh, a middle school down the street from the actual school district and renovated it. Now they have elementary and middle school uh, charter conversion. So, uh, you know, I'd want someone to uh, take the teachers out. Uh, before, I was of the belief that just to and or or, simple three-letter well, word to a two-letter word was suffice. And, you know, have the teachers vote in common with parents, therefore... Unless it's a really a tight race, which usually it isn't. Either it's either yes or no, but it's never really like a tie vote. We don't know that because there hasn't been enough elections to say that. But I gather that if the teachers join you, it's because there's some benefit to them. In the case of Roulette, the principal was re- uh, was retiring, so he couldn't be intimidated. In my case, my God, the, t- the principal came after me. Uh, the school the superintendent came after me. They recruited a hundred parents within the PTA community as I was PTA president. And they demanded I resign the week before the vote. So uh, the vote was 89 to 3, and 10 parents walked out. But this is really an un-American law, so I really can't marshal it. I can't do anything more. Um, I you know, took DeSantis out to dinner when he was uh, a congressman. I went up there to, to see him and Casey, and he, he invited me to his uh, uh, daughter's baptism, Madison, his firstborn. So the relationship is somewhat... Uh, uh, personal between him and I, and, but I still haven't seen anything done yet. And his uh, lieutenant governor, Jeanette Nunez, she was she was in uh, in the house when this happened in 2013. So she's she's an eyewitness of how I was treated, and we need to we need to uh, get this law amended so that uh, it will spread to the other 49 states, or else we're finished. First, we have to make it work here in Florida. You got to amend the law, yeah. no doubt. But if not, if you fail to do that and you fail to do it quickly, and I'm already on the sixth year of pounding the pavement here. I, I built this radio station because I lost my freedom of speech for a mile, so I thought I'd buy it back for ten miles, and that's the the impetus for building uh, Blink Radio. It's very personal to me to get this done. It's like a you know just uh, let's put a cap on this story already. I, I'm kind of tired of talking about it over and over again. But if we don't do anything. Expects a lot of a lot more Casio or Cortez is being elected to Congress. Do you guys do uh, state uh, lobbying? Yeah, we do. Do we do lobby at the state level? We do. Um, uh, I, in fact, about forty uh, percent of our budget goes to state level activity. They, you know, with the increasingly the um, the states are are sorting themselves out along uh, Republican and Democrat lines so that there's both the opportunity for a lot more exciting to do a lot more exciting things at the state level but also 
uh, a lot of states are going in a completely opposite direction now. So we, it used to be very common to have divided government, but um, we only have a couple of states now where there's divided government. For the most part, government well, is unified at the state well, level. Well, for example, in Illinois, are you lobbying against the proposed, I guess, constitutional amendment to create a progressive income tax? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, I mean, we've been doing what we can. I mean, this is going to be a ballot initiative, is my uh, understanding right. now. And, the, um, you know, we, ha- we have a significant shot at defeating it. I mean, we've defeated the progressive income tax on the ballot in Massachusetts three times now. Wow. Um, so even in these otherwise uh, liberal states, People tend to understand that uh, it's it's just unfair uh, to tax people different rates based on how much they earn. I mean, well, and, wait a minute, uh, that's so, that's pretty obvious. It's one of the tenets of the Communist Manifesto. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it should yeah, be illegal. I mean, <laughs> it's encouraging that people fundamentally think that this that this is unfair, even though the money is coming from someone other than them. Now, whether things are going to continue to hold out that way in Illinois, I don't know. But um, despite you know, despite Illinois' leftward drift over the last 20 years or so, I I think that there's still going to be a shot to stop it. Yeah, I agree with you. But one of the problems is that in, in these states, like, for example, Illinois, a lot of the more mm-hmm. entrepreneurial people are leaving. And so yeah. they're, they're not going to be there to vote. And remember, they got rid of... They got rid of the. Not didn't get rid of, but uh, the governor who who vetoed the increase. Yeah, but yeah, the new governor is, is for n- this. Yeah. yeah, so you 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 see that Illinois, even though uh, this was a fiasco for them, obviously the voters didn't care because they voted for another liberal as soon as the Republican left office. So they're a complete conflict of interest voters, and that's what happens. And the founders found that to be so. That's why they created the electoral well, college. Well, I think a lot of people in Illinois are finding that, for example, if they try to sell their houses, nobody's buying them or they're buying them at a huge discount because they realize they're stepping into a jurisdiction where there's going to be huge, a big overhang of real estate taxes and now potentially also uh, income taxes. Well, you got to say that the real estate has probably gone up tremendously on the Ohio side of the border. Right. You can work in Illinois and not have to pay the income tax. Right. Yes, Indiana and Wisconsin and I think Missouri have benefited. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, um, there was a Supreme Court. I I always get the year wrong. I don't know if it's 1893 or 96, but uh, there was an income tax case before the progressive income tax was passed that upset Theodore Roosevelt because yeah. the Supreme Court stated that wages was private property and therefore should never be taxed. Right, but this is a state issue, and it, uh, the referendum is to amend the state constitution. I'm sorry, but it, wages is still private property. Well, that could be. It's, it's the same. It's private property here and anywhere. Yep. That's exactly why we should repeal. Me and Ed are also part of the Convention of States movement uh, using Article 5, and we are kind of, I am personally despondent that the 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 original desire to see the repeal of 16 is being diluted little by little in the our federal co- income tax yeah the federal income tax and uh, uh, what's uh, your group's position on repealing amendment 16 oh well it would be great if we could do it um i think that uh it's going to be it's going to be a um it's going to be a long road i mean um uh, it, it would be outstanding to be able to do it. I can, I can tell you that um, in the short term, in a little bit shorter term, there are things administratively that we can do uh, that we've been talking to the administration about. One is um, 
Uh, one is on, the, and a really important one actually, is on the capital gains tax. And this gets to kind of some of the things you were talking about on constitutional definitions of income. Because uh, the capital gains tax, um, the in the law, the uh, the the gain is actually uh, or the the capital gain is actually not defined in the law. So um, what that means is that we could refine we could re, we could change the definition uh, administratively so that it it um, that the cost basis was cost plus inflation. That would have the that would have the effect of eliminating all the inflation that is built. Uh, inside the capital gain, um, it would have the effect of mitigating that, and it would eliminate something around the order of 45 percent of, of capital gains that's currently outstanding in the United States right now. If we were to be as aggressive as possible, so you're saying in, inflation indexing? Yeah, we would be inflation indexing capital gains, mm -hmm. um, but you could do it administratively because the the cost basis is actually not defined in the law. Okay. But also, interestingly, is is the question of gain. Um, and whether and the degree to which a um, a capital gain tax is actually a wealth tax and not an income tax, uh, because we've seen a lot of this discussion in the wake of some of the Democrat presidential candidates advocating for a wealth tax. Yep. Well, if, and, we, if we don't find a way to have a better idea, these things will come to fruition, and then they'll come up with a value-added tax to uh, to boot. Yeah. So That's right. do you think do you think our economy could sustain itself with just a capital gains tax and a value added tax with no income tax? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um the problem is avoiding both, right? Or all of the above. Because a lot of our research shows that um in fact all of our research shows that that the more the more diverse the income sources for the government, the higher the overall piece of the pie that they take out of the economy. Mm -hmm. uh, and the challenge is is that we've had a number of states that have looked at, you know, they've started up income taxes, for example, in order to in order to provide a property tax cut. Right. But what happens is those taxes rise to their highest right. sustainable their highest politically sustainable equilibrium. All of them. Uh, into, to some degree, independent of each other. Right, all of so them. Right. Like yeah. New ha New Jersey, which has the second, first or second, depending on which metric you look at, highest tax burden in the country, got there by creating a sales tax to offset the property tax, and then creating an income tax to offset the property tax and the sales tax. But both of them wound up rising to the right. to a level higher than they were before, such that it's now among the most heavily taxed states yeah, that, in the country. That's what happened um, in Illinois. In 1970, Governor Ogilvy trying to find a, a relief for the state property taxes and sales tax, created the income tax. And so now everything just kept going up. Same thing in Connecticut. 1990, they adopted a, an income tax to give relief for the property taxes. Same thing. They Everything went up. Yes, yeah, government is repeated all across. And by the way, all across the world, in fact, in all of the Western European nations, the VAT was originally instituted uh, for the purposes of cutting uh, for the purposes of cutting income taxes. Okay. But what happened was those income taxes rose again, uh. and then the VAT continued to rise. The danger of the VAT is that very small marginal rate changes generate huge amounts of income because it's collected across every all the trades of production. Right. Yeah, that that's very sad because that's what keeps 
Europe, between that and their single-payer health care, it keeps their GDP under a, under a percent. And their innovation is way down. Venture capital is very small there and not, not much going on. Well, you know, uh, I knew it to be true when in 2013, while I was writing a book, um, for the first time in our history, uh, more foreigners had patent-pending applications at the U.S. Patent Office and American citizens. So that was a clear indication that everybody was coming here to invent their stuff and get copyrights and patents. Right, right. And, and well, also, if you're from China or India, wouldn't you rather have a U.S. patent than a Chinese patent? In this case, uh, yes, the answer is yes. But in this case, it was mostly uh, European and Indian okay. who, were getting, who were seeking patents here. And uh, it was astonishing to, that the number uh, wasn't by a lot, but it still was more right. foreign... Well, that's good. I mean, one of the benefits of America is our strong investment in the rule of law. The rule of law. As I keep telling uh, all the the illegal aliens who keep coming in. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you shouldn't uh, be tooting the illegal immigration. Illegal, thing. yeah. Consid- that considering that many Americans law. think that uh, us Cuban immigrants were privileged. No, no. But, yeah. but you know, the other another state uh, that I keep in touch with, Texas, they have no state income tax, and they're known for you know having a very lean government generally. But they have amazingly high county level property taxes, and that a lot of people are complaining about it. And I keep in touch you mean with county, friends. County to county, not state mandated. Right, the, the county at the county level, their county assessors are assessing. Even in Houston, uh, houses that were flooded out are assessed at, at high prices, which is ridiculous. So in this last legislation, there was a there's a rebellion, and they're starting to put caps on the uh, real estate taxes. And they're, one of the ways the governor is thinking Like of, a homestead or no? Yeah, well, no, 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 just having a cap on how far you can raise taxes. And uh, so the governor is thinking of maybe going to sales taxes, uh, but at least there's no talk of doing an income tax. Yeah, income tax stifles uh, the, the the job creators. Yeah, but just... property taxes. One way, one writer has said that in Texas, you do, you never own your home. You always rent it from the government because you always owe them. No matter how old you are, even if you paid off the mortgage and your kids are gone, it's hard to to stay in your house because you have to keep paying all these taxes. Yeah, that's that's why the the homestead exemption was created here in Florida. Here in Florida, because Florida has a lot of retirees. Maybe. But what something. happens is when you inherit property. The real estate tax goes to the present value, and everybody has to sell their it's parents' home. Up. Yeah, and that's not cool because there's a lot of property that, uh, if you're affluent, it's okay because you sell and you divide up among siblings and all that. But if you are of limited means, mm-hmm. probably the best chance you have in life to get up out of the out of low Is income to build it, up at home equity. Ha- no, to inherit the home free and clear, oh, okay. and, and use yeah, use the house as home equity to establish mm-hmm. a business and right. maybe employ some people. So anyway, before before we let you go, I just wanted you to know that I explained uh, the whole um, story of 2013 as the first uh, parent trigger experience. And if you can go to the website, uh, tell me what you think because uh, I'm aghast. You know, I have I'm not a really good messenger for this amendment simply because I can only give a testimony. But it's very easy to, to tarnish my story because I have a family member who builds charter schools. So, so people will always be suspect of my motivations, although I'm doing it for the country, not for charter school developers. I think that they are Actually, in, you're in conflict with charter school developers. They're in, yeah, they're in conflict, and I'm having serious problems with my sibling uh, because I'm putting my country first. And, uh, uh, of course, that's, I'm being admonished because of it. But I need somebody who 
can uh, you know I have two potential sponsors in the in the, uh, in the House of Representatives, uh, Jennifer Sullivan and um, Thad Altman, but I have no one in the Senate, and uh, I don't really know. I can't I can't use our senator here because he's as left as left gets. So senator. Yeah, Ooh. Florida State Senator is Rodriguez, and he is the lefty of the lefties. Yeah. So what about Anitere Flores? And she uh, already told me to go pound sand. Oh, she's a gun grabber. And, Man- and Manny Diaz also told me to pound sand. Carlos Trujillo is the the worst of the worst. He's now well, ambassador for Trump. Organization of American States. Mike Baleka and John Legg and Mr. Getz. You know Matt Getz, who comes out on Fox News all the time. Uh, I can't say that I do know him personally, no. No, well, his father was Senate president back in 2013. He told me to pound Sam. And yeah. So I've been through I've been through it uh, as a lone wolf for a long time now, and it's the only way to save this country is to take, have well, parents take back schools. You guys might, you know, uh, Chris, what you guys might want to do in, in your Florida state lobbying is check yeah. out uh, www.parentguardianshipschool.com. Okay. And see if you, you know, check check out the story and see if you want to join us. Okay, we'll take a look at it. Thank you. Please keep up the good work. All right, well, thank uh, you. Do our best. Take okay. care and expect success okay. and stay free. Okay, bye-bye. 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 Yeah, All so, right. so there's moderate, there moderate enthusiasm. It's, uh, it's quite a thing, you know, when people are taken aback by an idea that's not theirs. They're like, whoa, where'd this come from? Well, it's good. It's good to have all these ideas. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, that was so vanilla. Milk toast no, response no, no, no. on your part. That's fine. My God. That's fine. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an all of you. I'm, I'm in school choice. I'm like uh, in energy, all of the above, oil, gas. That's you know, that's what's nuclear. wrong in this country. That all of the above at the, at the multiple choice exam. Oil, gas, nuclear. You know, whatever can pay for itself. If the wind uh, well, works. Well, you know what Charter doesn't realize? The Charter school people don't realize that, if, they, that? if they were to join us, right? the parents, when they win these elections, they're going to turn to them. They're to hire them to run their school. school. Absolutely. You haven't told that to your brother? Oh, my God. Well, guess what? He only builds building. He has other people operate. He's not well, a, the other operator, he could cut a deal with the operators, and well, look, they could uh, be promoting these parent guardianship it's schools. It's amazing how how much they strong arm this idea of mine. Plus, for lack of support, I, I obviously refuse to be part of a special interest group because then they'll just call me that. Yep. And the message will get diluted. It's got to be someone who's doing this for the first time and come in there and steamroll because they have other attachment bills and other sectors of the economy that the politicians need. Therefore, uh, by the way, you need to support this. As well as this agenda, well, we have this agenda at the school front. And that's how this thing will get done and get the two sponsors. Now, once I get the two sponsors... You, you got them in the House, or I, you need them in the I Senate? I have nothing in the Senate because I had in the Your Senate... Your former senator is now a rep, right? He's now, he went to rep, yeah. And right. the other ones term were... Term limited. And, and, the other, and the others were term limited. No, the people from 2013 are... I love They're to gone. say it all the time. Can I say the list again? Yeah. Mike Baleka, yeah, John, yeah, yeah. John Legg, Kelly Stargill, Carlos Trujillo, uh, Manny Diaz, and Antonio Flores are all a bunch of losers because they don't care about kids. Why? They're either working for charter developers or they own a charter school or they didn't want to fight with the teachers' union, which right. for me is 100% cowardice behavior. Absolutely. Especially the taking on the teachers' union is essential. Yeah, you have to fight. If I can fight them as a, as a lone parent and I can subject my fifth grade daughter to this abuse, why can't you all? 
And that's what's really offensive is that my daughter was in fifth grade having to take on a teacher, and that was really tacky. And the way that everybody behaved was unbelievable. And some of the people were Cuban immigrants who knows the tactics of closed societies. Right. And by asking me to resign, that was a complete communist you know, tactic, you know, mob, mob warfare. It was mm-hmm. really, it was funny from my standpoint, you know, sitting there in a the cafeteria watching 100 parents talk poorly of me when I was out defending their children uh, to have a healthy and brand new school that, hey, if you claim to be A students, shouldn't you want us teaching in A school? Mm-hmm. You're teaching in a ghetto below sea level? Well, we may be having some uh, Senate uh, candidates here, uh, people running to replace Anitere because she's being term limited. So I, oh, I thought I, she was she was going to online date. No, no, no. She's term limit. So next year, so um, uh, she's more popular for her online dating. Isn't she? Really? Yes. Yeah. Reaching across the aisle. Reaching across the aisle. There you go. Or somebody reached no, across her aisle. Andy Chirino is uh, a candidate to replace her in the state senate, and we had her and here last year. And we had her in here in Blink so Radio ninety four point five. We may have her back, and I'll keep an eye on other uh, other candidates for the primary, which will be happening next uh, summer. And uh, Maria Elvira, you're promising me a visit for Maria She, Vida. I don't know what she's going to be running for, but we've certainly got a, our invitation I, she out. She should go out to Shalala again. Why not? I don't know. I'm not sure. What I've been told is that Congressional, told District, Congressional District 27 is very difficult for a Republican because of the way it's currently uh, carved out. Yeah, carved out. Okay, what's what's her, where are all the Democrats coming from? Uh, the all new- these people in Coral Gables, all the uh, progressives in Coral Gables. So they're probably... Uh, uh, and also Key Biscayne. Uh, they're probably, yeah, we're lefty Key Biscayne over here. and uh, Brickell and Miami Beach. Miami Beach is completely left. Absolutely. So uh, I've been told it's a, it's a difficult district for a Republican. I've also been told that maybe uh, County Mayor Carlos Jimenez may be running against her. And he's he's got a pretty powerful machine and money and name recognition. So... But last time, Maria Elvira didn't put up a good fight because she's not considered a full, trustworthy conservative. Well, she needs a lot of photographs with, with Donald J. Trump. Absolutely. And wearing a Make America Great Again hat. So maybe and I can... Very, and she's, uh, she's... And one that looks like it's been worn to, to show yeah, that you you're Yeah, you've got to give her yours. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, In other not, words, she's got to leave with your hat absolutely. on. Absolutely. Uh, so she's got to she leave knows, the studio with your hat on. Absolutely. So that she knows she's not a recent convert. Well, she used to live out here. I know her well. I know her well enough to to welcome her into the studio and give her a warm embrace. I think she's uh, not only a really highly intelligent person, very articulate in both languages, but uh, if there's ever a time where she has to be on a national platform, it's in these days, in these right. waning days of the Castro administration. It would be wonderful for her to be around, elected, when the 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 right. the tobacco well, lead curtain. <laughs> and the chihuahua behind the fence finally falls. Well, that's right. And uh, I think that I, I, over the weekend, the Wall Street Journal reported that the Russians had withdrawn a lot of their mercenaries from Venezuela. So there could be new developments coming up there. And if Venezuela falls, then Cuba will be next. So you have a good point. Well, can't you like do it the other way around? Like Castro falls and, <laughs> no, and no. Venezuela falls next? No, no. So you we'll, flip that so one on Those me. are two good candidates on the Republican side for Congressional District 27 to take on Donna Shalala. Why don't we, why don't we, uh, we can't, well, it depends where Jimenez lives. Because you got to live in the district. I don't districts. know. I don't know. Uh, the biggest, the biggest farce is people who don't live in the district and run for it. Well, and the other district is Congressional District 26, which used to be held by Carlos Curbelo. 
That is now held by Debbie Mercastle Powell, who is a sponsor of the Green New Deal. And she is being challenged by a, a rep- new Republican, Irina Villarino, who I've invited, and she will probably be on next month. And she is a Cuban-American immigrant. She came when she was four years old on the Mariel boat lift. Her family has built up a restaurant business. So we'll see what, what when she comes on. Let's see who we have now. This is the Concrete Conservative, WSQF, 94.5. Who do I have a pleasure to speak with? This is Cheryl Chumley. How's it going? Nice. Okay. Nice, nice, you, nice to hear from you. Thank you, Cheryl, for calling. Now, why don't you tell our audience uh, where you're calling from, and I know you're with the Washington Times, right? I am. I'm calling from uh, Northern Virginia. I'm the online opinion editor with the Washington Times. Well, fantastic. You don't drink the water up there, do you? Yeah, bottled water, right? Oh, yeah. It's got to come from upstate New York. It can't come from anywhere else. Be careful. We need you there. There's some very few uh, uh, conservative journalists in this area. So, very few. Uh, You're right. So tell us, uh, what's... Wait, uh, your concern was uh, you're worried about this encroaching socialism in America. So maybe you can uh, jump in on some of the issues that we were talking about. Yeah, look, I mean, socialism in America, would you have thought back when you were a child in school that we would ever get to the point in America where there would be socialists openly serving in Congress? Well, the fact fact Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez announces that she's a socialist and wins, is it's horrific. I, I can't believe our nation has reached this point. Well, uh, Ms. Powell, with all due respect... Um, I've been here in South Florida my whole life. I was born here in Miami, 64. We've been sounding this alarm since the 70s that the communists were coming and we were, we were called freaks. And they said that we, that we saw communists behind every tree and we were telling Americans, yeah. no, it's behind every forest. Well, <laughs> actually, I, I went to school. I came when I was nine years old from Cuba, so I did see the real communists. Yeah, and, uh, we've been I saying got, this for a long I gotta time. I've got to tell you, I mean, uh, I, I, I grew up in Chicago, and I didn't know any Republicans, so I was kind of a conservative Democrat until 1980. And that's when uh, Ronald Reagan really turned me around and uh, made me realize that I was a conservative Republican. That's what I've been ever since. But I think the, the problem is... Uh, and there are many, many parts of this problem, but a big part of it, and and Mac here is very uh, much plugged into it, is that our plus case I didn't have I didn't have that Nirvana that he went through. Yeah. You know, his, he has to confess all the time that, <laughs> that Reagan turned him around. Right. But, you know, I was a bleeding heart Republican since birth. It came yeah, out but of the, the, the problem that is that our K through 12 education system is totally controlled by unionized government bureaucrats, and their ideology is socialism. Yeah, without a doubt, the education system in America needs a total revamp. Wait a second. Can I stop ah, you right there? There you go. That's Manny's and favorite That's my theme. segue. Okay. I was waiting for you to say that, and I think yeah. that's why you were invited to our show. Uh, <laughs> the uh, state of Florida is the only state that has a direct ballot parent trigger law, meaning any school at any time, for whatever reason, two parents can fire a trigger letter to a principal, and they 90 days they have an intra-school vote. And the winner takes it all. Takes finances funded directly by the Department of Education in Tallahassee, not its county districts. There's only one problem. It was written by. It was passed by Lawton Childs after he beat Jeb Bush back in the day in 1996. Jeb sat on it for eight years. Then it was promulgated miraculously. I don't know how by Charlie Chris's administration. We we understand now the way that it was written. It's not a. Florida uh, parent empowerment law. It's a teacher empowerment law because we were the first to use it. 
So I've been trying to get a national audience, uh, someone to understand what I went through and what they put my daughter through as a fifth grader. And, you know, our civil liberties were uh, were denied. My freedom of speech was denied. I wasn't allowed to sit on a panel to discuss the issue on school grounds. And they they demanded I resign a week before this panel, this Q&A session, so that uh, they could kill the messenger. We got bludgeoned. The uh, parents voted uh, overwhelmingly against us. And the teachers voted 83 nothing against us with one invalid ballot. Yeah, so one of our, 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 one of our themes here at this station is to promote school choice. And everybody knows school choice is charter schools and vouchers. But in Florida, there's a statute that allows parents to fire a trigger letter so that they can take over management of the school. And that's something that we've been uh, pushing here. Yeah, so I, I would like to see if you'd be interested in, in reading my website. It it was so it was so uh, it was so egregious what they did to my daughter, and uh, I was PTA president at the time. I got elected on this idea, and it was more about uh, wasn't the quality of school that we were complaining about because it was an A school at the time. Uh, you know, it's Hollywood giving themselves an Oscar, but I wasn't about to contest that. What I want people to understand that these firing these trigger letters aren't necessarily because the school's failing. How about for the modernization and expansion of overcrowded, dilapidated school that shouldn't have to wait, you know, 10, 20 years for the next school bond to come out? But I think the key then is that the parents take over the curriculum. And say, uh, not only the curriculum, uh, if you emphasize curriculum, you run into a rabbit hole. If you if you stay on finances and, well, finances, yeah. and saving surpluses... Then you can see how the yeah. nation will develop by uh, uh, basically renovating and modernizing and expanding the school from from within, saving the taxpayer at large a considerable amount of money because the bonds don't have to be so large in the larger school districts. And it's called the ParentGuardianshipSchool.com, and it it, tell, it explains my story. But until we elevated the ground game, well, put it this way: it's so offensive to be a Cuban, born of Cuban immigrants parents fleeing Cuba so that their kids would never lose their freedom of speech. They come to this country, I'm born, I lose my freedom of speech, and I'm so upset about that concept because my father dies that same year that this happened to me in 2013, that I I submit a, 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 for an FCC lottery to buy my freedom of speech back. So what they took away for one mile, I was able to buy back for 10. And I sound redundant to the audience because the previous caller heard the same litany, but I'm hoping that you'd be enthusiastic about it because it's the reason why this station was built. If you want to stop socialism. It's disheartening to hear that you flee Cuba and then come here and you get pretty much the same treatment as you would expect in Cuba. Well, that would apply to, uh, to Ed Vidal. I, I, uh, was born, <laughs> I was born here in 64, but my, my brother was born in Cuba. Therefore, the reason still stands. My parents came here so, my, yep. so their kids would be free. And the irony is that I lost my freedom of speech in a very public manner, front page of the Miami Herald at the time, uh, fake news. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I have one kink in my armor in order to take on this charge is that unbeknownst, uh, I mean, I just couldn't predict this, but my brother is a charter school developer. So the Herald made it look like I was his front man and he had nothing to do with it. And now it's things are difficult uh, between us uh, now that my father's passed away and all. And I really do. The, I'm doing this for the love of country because I can see a lot of Ocasio Cortezes getting elected over the next 20 years simply because our schools are not taken back by parents. You're you're absolutely right on that, and that's such a sad commentary 
on our country because our public school system used to rock the world, right? We used to churn out the best and brightest of minds in the world, and now we put forth a little more than propaganda. And the history that we teach is skewed. Uh, we teach that the founding fathers were racist old white men who don't uh, have any relevance today. And they were all slave owners. Yeah. <laughs> right. And stories like yours where, you know, real fights for freedom for the American dream are just trodden down as if they mean nothing. And you're absolutely right. The, the, the minds in the emerging generation are more in line with Ocasio-Cortez than they are with those brave freedom fighters of years past in America. Well, you know, Cheryl, one of the things you got to consider, you're talking about going through the schools and how bad they've gotten. Um, if you look, I, I went to public schools in Chicago, graduated from eighth grade in 1970, and the Chicago Teachers Union was made the bar sole bargaining agent in the, in the 60s. That's when the public sector unions really got their claws into the government situations. The Chicago Teachers Union had been founded in the 1930s, but they were not recognized until the 60s. So that's when you start seeing the decline of American public education, which, as you said, used to be so great. Then in 1980, Jimmy Carter gave us the U.S. Department of Education. And back in 1980, the U.S. was number one in international school uh, achievement. Today, we're number 17. So that's another factor. And then number two, in 1980, a book was published, which became kind of the standard textbook for American history in high school, Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, which is a communist look at the United States history. And fortunately, full there's a new... And full of pictures. And, well, and then, so fortunately, there is a new book out uh, this year. We're going to have the author on about in a few weeks, uh, Wilfred McClay, which seeks to counter that uh, communist view of American history. So I think you're on the right track, and uh, I think these are the issues that, are, that have gotten us to where we are. And I think uh, Manny's solution of uh, parent guardianship is, is one of the most innovative uh, solutions around. Well, it was born out of experience. The only thing, well, what I really need for the country to understand that uh, I kind of I'm looking forward to Florida being embarrassed if another state passes this law after I've been uh, advocating for it since 2013 when I went up to Tallahassee and they wouldn't let me even speak on the in the education committee to complain about the first person who whoever used the law. How can you not have my testimony in there? It's the saddest thing in the world to see an un-American law just sit there forever. Governor Scott personally spoke to me. I gave him the testimony of my daughter, which you'll read uh, the, the day she wrote uh, she wrote her testimony. I asked her to write down what happened to her today in school when a teacher called her out in class to uh, make her defend her father's uh, initiative, and she said all kinds of wrong things. And uh, the kids explained to me that what my daughter did was uh, basically smack down her teacher as a fifth grader and she was right, and the teacher was wrong. When these little kids tell you who are very, uh, not very knowledgeable about what I was doing that day, it's consistent with what she wrote because I separated them. They they walked home with her. She was obviously crying, and you know, and I just told her come in the house and uh, paper and pen. You write what happened. I'm going to speak to the kids outside the house. The kids that brought her to school, and some of these kids were one of those that were chanting no charter, no charter, no charter. So I want to get the word charter out of the law as well so that it doesn't breed an immediate objection when as soon as you call to you know call for this action but it's it's the situation where uh this is the only chance we have the, uh, people have always asked how can parents uh, uh, 
take the reins of school. This is the only manner, the American way. You vote, inter-school votes, all parents vote if they have children in school, and you win, you get funded by the state of Florida, the capital. It would apply to other states as well. And uh, I wrote the, the uh, I, I hired to do this, I hired the elections commissioner during Bush Gore, who sat on the elections commission back in 2000, and he came heavy-handed with his reputation, and that's why the superintendent at least gave me the legal precedent, allowed me to vote, uh, allow us to call the vote. You know, because in Homestead, they tried this a year earlier. Man, those people, those principals who tried it, man, they were put in a bus fleet mm-hmm. as PhDs and doctorates, and it ended up in civil rights but, court. But, Cheryl, we've hijacked your uh, your talk, so why don't you tell us what you, how, how do you think, how do you want to counter this encroaching socialism? Well, um, well, first, I, I just, you know, there was, there was a nugget that I just wanted to uh, pull out of what you were just saying. You, you, you made the point that a lot of parents want to know what can they do to take back education. And I find that a very interesting question um, that goes to the overall uh, morphing of socialism in this country. Isn't it the parents' job to educate their kids? Yep. I mean, that's what this country was founded upon. There weren't public school systems when the country was founded. It was the job of the parents to educate. And that just shows how far that we've strayed from our founding ideals and moved into the idea that government must take control of everything. Government must provide everything. And it's just, I think it's a mindset. So to answer your question, I think first and foremost, the, the thing every American needs to realize and remember and relive is the idea that we're the bosses in this country. It's not the government with a capital G. It's we the people. We are the employers of the public service class. That means we don't just pay their salaries. We dictate how government should be run. And in this country, it's a limited limited government concept. So I think we need to change the mindset first, which is difficult to do because, as we just discussed, the schools aren't teaching it properly anymore. Yes, it's, they don't have it's, an interest. Not only that, but uh, when Ed was talking about his days in Chicago, the damage was done much earlier than that with John D. Rockefeller's uh, Teachers College and uh, and uh, who's the other gentleman that you seem to love? John of? Dewey. John Dewey. Uh, I studied this uh, intensely, and they they hurt us the moment they they uh, uh, basically made the multiple choice exam the, the standard uh, test. And that uh, eliminated curiosity. And once you minimize curiosity, you add overcrowded schools, slavery, uh, incorporating uh, slaves into the school system, and all the things that naturally happen, uh, the growing pains of this nation, you can see that only the brightest and the most uh, innovative are succeeding in our society today, regardless of the overcrowding, regardless of the problems you you still get the Steve Zuckerbergs and the Jobs and the other great industrialists and you know who guess yeah. what both of them dropped out yeah. of college. But, yeah, <laughs> but look at the New York City public schools, the elite schools, which are you could get into by taking in a competitive exam. They're now being dismantled, and people are going to be let in according to a quota system. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I understand that the population of the world increases and the land remains the same. Therefore, public schooling in and of itself can't sustain this this onslaught of just humanity. But look what's happening. Our, our government has consumed us so much like they have in, in Europe, and our birth rate is, is in the negative territory. So there'll be nobody to pay for Social Security tomorrow. And uh, the economy is so modern, you've got to be really skilled. And our students are not coming out of college skilled. Um, 
I was reading the other day some old uh, assignments of my daughter in 10th grade, and I was not happy with how she was constructing sentences, and she was an, a straight-A student. So what does that say? So yeah, uh, They don't teach that in schools anymore. That's fuzzy English and fuzzy math, right? That's how I felt, yeah. When I was reading it, I no. didn't, uh, I wasn't, uh, first of all, I was embarrassed. Second of all, I, uh, she, had an, she was getting A's. And third of all, uh, I felt that I, w- I, w- I neglected her. I should, uh, I, sh- I should be helping her with her uh, writing, uh, considering I write myself. So I- I'm, very, uh, I'm very disappointed because I can't get anybody. And I believe me, I have access. Ed knows this about me. I'm a political um, connected person, meaning I know these people face to face. I was uh, was very involved in the Ted Cruz campaign and uh, opened up his office here in Miami. Was drove him around while he was here during the debates. I have intimate time with Marco Rubio as well. My father served in the Reagan administration. Uh, personal relationship with Ron DeSantis, our governor. I, I was one of those people who told him, "Look, you're not going to be senator, so sit back and relax. Marco's coming back to be senator, and you're going to have to just wait for Scott to leave because Scott wants to be senator." <laughs> and uh, it happened just exactly as I. As I said, and um, he, uh, uh, Ron and Casey DeSantis both came into the studio when it was under construction. So they realized the story. You know, they understood that I was buying my freedom of speech back uh, for the 10 miles after losing it for one mile. And I think it's that's, not for 10 miles. We're on the Internet. We're everywhere. Oh, plus we're live stream worldwide. Yes. Um, so I, I just want someone to cover it. Is, uh, is that something that your paper would even consider covering down here in Florida? Um, my paper is national in scope, so yeah, if there a, were a way to maybe angle it toward the national, possibly. But yeah, it's I, spreading. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my role isn't isn't reporting, but I could certainly look at the website link that you gave me and um, pass it along to somebody who might be able better to cover it. Fantastic. Well, you know, that's that's the goal of WSQF Blink Radio. Get the word out. Yeah. Yes. We're... we're we're at WSQF 94.5 FM in Key Biscayne, your evacuation route from socialist nonsense. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of like the ghost of Richard Nixon, you know. We, it, still yeah. run, it still runs clear here. All, all the folks here are worried about how to evacuate in case of a hurricane, so. Yeah, we're one square mile, and we have two state uh, county park and a state park north and south of us. But the municipality was incorporated in 1991, and it's literally one square mile of what looks like the future of America because we have every no. single every single country here. Expats from all over. Yeah, well, the immigrant uh, reality is here, and it's uh, a combination of northern Anglos with Cuban-Americans, Venezuelan-Americans, Mexican-Americans, Argentine-Americans, and the more affluent and more educated of, the, of each of those groups because right. our, our property values are high here. It's an affluent community. But they don't pay taxes because they don't, they don't want to be American citizens. They'd rather just pay high real estate taxes, let someone else vote for them. And then the small contingent of Cuban-Americans and Anglo-Americans vote for mayor and council member. So I did this here, and it didn't work out well. I mean, it was just a bloody, a bloody mess. But this is a national issue. Uh, parents need to take back control of their schools. And our state's the only state that has this law. Just no, other states could be looking at it, maybe doing it right. Yeah, Florida could be the flagship for that. I mean, you're absolutely right. Education is key. Uh, bringing the next generation up in the way 
that this country was founded and was intended to be is crucial. And, you know, the Democrats are great at that. The whole, you, you raised a good point a few minutes ago about Jimmy Carter and the Department of Education, which yep. was never intended to protect the children, the students. It was always uh, aimed at protecting the teachers and the unions and so forth. Right. And, that's why the education system has gone down so quickly in this country, that it's all about the unions and the teachers and the money. Absolutely. And very, very little about educating the kids. Yes, it's, 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 a, it's a, a, a very sad story because, you know, education is not mentioned in the Constitution. Therefore, it was supposed to be left to the states. It was so right. obvious. Right. And you said something very very beautiful too, which was we were all homeschooled back in the 1700s. Yeah, all the founding fathers were homeschooled. Yeah. yeah. And New York and uh, Boston and Rhode Island schools were number one in the country for hundreds of years, for a hundred years. And now they're at uh, the bottomless pit of public school. I mean, Well, yeah. Uh, we, we sent our kids to uh, Scarsdale Public Schools in New York and they were great schools and they're still very good schools, but they've done things like uh, they've gotten rid of their AP classes. Because, oh, and, you, and you say and you say they're great schools. No, they're, 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 that's not good because what it does is it takes not. away accountability. The teachers are no longer having you know being held accountable by these independent exams that you know whether they're multiple choice or not. They are a, a check on the on what the teachers are doing. Well, we don't necessarily need textbooks in many subjects, and we chose to go that route. Students could read. Yeah, read the primary sources, right? Yeah, they could read primary sources, read the classics. First of all, read good English and copy it, and write yep. the, the way these authors are writing. Uh, have you ever read the article that came out in uh, in May of ninety four? The New Yorker article called "Schooled." No. I think everyone should read it because if you can read that article, posted on the website wsqfradio.com. Of course, it's posted on the website. No? It's posted okay. on parentguardianshipschool.com. Okay, but it's a story of how Cory Booker ran game on Steve Zuckerberg's to save the Newark City School District, and they Chris, didn't do anything. They didn't do anything, and Chris Christie uh, just fell over himself. And it's such a I'm not, I don't like to sing praises to New Yorker magazine. I quite I find them to be lefties, but in this article. They acknowledged how disgusting the system is that they let failing superintendents from New York get involved in this process, and they gobbled up $100 million and only built one school with it, and the rest was paid in consulting fees, no increase in graduation rate, no new schools, no new principals, and it almost cost uh, Steve Zuckerberg his marriage because his wife said, why don't you give the $100 million to child Neil neonatal care since she was a, a pediatrician and a, a doctor for children and she told her don't give it to this guy and what did he do he ran for senator and wiped clean his uh his uh political uh reputation as a mayor of newark it's the saddest thing this cory booker is the biggest thief i've ever seen and i wish people would take it out on him now that he's running for president yeah, well, that's not going to be brought up in the uh, in the town halls the Democrats are holding right now. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I, it, it's a disgusting story you describe, and I bet that that's not the only time that's gone forward. Yeah. I mean, the, the public education system in this country is... And half of it, you know, remember, half of our real estate taxes is going to this. Yes. So yes. The, we're, we're sinking into the abyss in debt, and the government... State, the state government has to uh, share Dade County's proceeds, for instance, as an example. We're a donor county to our state because we have home rule charter here since we were the first county. 
and uh, we share with the rest of the smaller county, the agricultural counties, particularly they don't have don't have a lot of population, but yet they have a county. Therefore, they might have one high school, one middle school, one elementary school. We share our proceeds with them, our real estate tax proceeds, and we never get this even close to what we pay in. We get back. So on top of that, we have the the overpopulated uh, areas of our community. And guess what? There's a million Cubans coming. There's a bunch of Venezuelans already here. There's another million sitting there waiting for Raul Castro to die. And guess where they're coming? Miami-Dade <laughs> County. There's no school, no school chairs for them. There's no student stations. And uh, right now, the opposite is happening in Fort Lauderdale. We have everybody moving west to new facilities, you know, right. new housing developments. And the inner city Fort Lauderdale schools are empty. And so... You know, where's this going to end? The only way you can absorb the seats that are available is for parents to take back these schools and fill them up themselves. And it's just amazing that uh, I can't get any traction since 2013. I can't I, to have all this political access and to have everybody look away. Um, I've, I've approached uh, Newt Gingrich with this. He read all these guest commentaries I wrote in my town paper. He's the only person to actually read them in front of me, standing there, literally, <laughs> speed reading. And I'm aghast at... A person with this much access as if I had, and nobody cares. The law doesn't change. It's an and to an or in the law that needs to go from and to or or zero. In other words, just take the teachers out of the vote. And guess what? Taxpayers at large will save money because these school bonds will go down because parents will start renovating the schools themselves with a sur- budget surpluses. I found a million eighty-three thousand dollars in my school's budget, and I had to go through. Hell and high water and the threat of legal, uh, the judge made it very clear that, hey, they have, they're entitled to the school's budget, not the general fund budget you keep on showing us, but the actual school budget here in Key Biscayne. And I brought a forensics guy here to tell parents that there was a million dollars in surplus here and nobody attended. <laughs> Only my allies attended that meeting and the school district. And... Uh, it, they're there. These overcrowded schools have surpluses, and parents will save them because it'll be their fault if they don't. Whereas now we go down to county, complain to the the school board, and they're not listening to you. You're like, you know, you get three minutes of public comment, and good luck. Have a good day. I'm glad you were able to vent. <laughs> That's how it is here, too. You're timed. Your comments are timed pretty much, and they'll cut you off if you try and deviate from the time time limits. Yeah, and the, and the little red light turns on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like you're in a game show or, or a newscaster. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, th- uh, th- uh, thank you for your time, and I appreciate you you hearing this, and I'm hoping something becomes of this because I'm 54. I've been at this now since 2013. I don't know. Sooner or later, uh, I'll, I'll forget my name and not know where I'm standing. So um, dementia does run in my family. So uh, hurry up. Please help me. Hey, it was great to chat, and I will um, check out the Parent, parentguardianshipschool.com. Got it. Hey, Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks a lot. Thank you All very right. much. All right. Bye. Well, all right, uh, Ed, there you go. Ed, you might be the superhero of all superheroes. Why is that? If she takes on this 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 possibility and hands it off to someone who takes this national. The Washington Times, yep. I hope I don't get fake news because I like to blast everybody and their mother. You know, I got the laundry list of. Uh, villains out there that ignored me and i'm uh well we need to do a, a list of a great people story. In, the, in the legislature right now because i mean there's going to be new uh new elections next year people are lining up people are being uh, you know term limited out 
So you need yeah, to... Yeah, term limits is a disaster. You know well, why? Well, it, uh, it's the reality. Yes, because from 1996 to 2010, explain to me, me showing up at 13 with all this, all these complaints right. and this diary, and what was my Republican friends doing? They were passing a petition-based parent trigger law. So what the, are your two uh, state reps that you say support you? What are the names? Would you stop? Do, would you stop doing the cheerleading thing? No, no, I'm just trying there's to see. There's no, there's no such thing as support. Ah, okay. Until you see it on the agenda, them sponsoring your bill, then they're supporting you. Otherwise, okay. I can only tell you that I've spoken in this new session. All these other people I complain about are now gone, because look how much well, time. Well, we have it's... some new people. We yes. Some... The only, the only people that I've been able to reach out to is Lieutenant Governor. Yep. Governor. Then in the House, that Altman up there by Cape Canaveral, and Jennifer Sullivan, who I believe is in the area of I've never been there. Uh, uh, my my God, um, Port. Give the me a moment. Handle? No, no, no. It's right. It's right above Sarasota. Let me see here. I go to my contacts here on my phone. Give me a moment here. Jennifer Campbell. I think I put. I think I put... Um, and that Allman is up in Cape Canaveral. Tavares, Tavares, Florida. Jennifer Sullivan's from Tavares. I never heard of that. Tavares, Florida, and, you know, she represents... She's What's important is that she's chairman of the Election Education Committee. All right. So that's why I chose to speak to her. But I'm still waiting for the call. You know, I've only spoken to staff members. And now you need a state senator. I need, yeah, I need two in the House, two in the Senate. Okay. Co-sponsor is what you need because... Not all your sponsors will be on the actual committees. So okay. you usually need someone to recruit two sponsors. There could be a sponsor in the House and the Senate, but they each would prefer to well, have a co-sponsor. It would be good to have at least one Senate sponsor from South Florida. No, waste of time. 39 district or 40. Waste of time. Okay, replacing Ter- Ter- Manitere Flores. You uh, might consider uh, it. You know, the person, the people who get involved with this is the people who get it. And uh, I don't expect a Democrat to get it because not because they won't well, get they're, it. They're beholden to the teachers union. Yes, they'll, they'll never win again, and they they joined us. Yeah, but we're Andrew losing Gillum. we're losing the window because we're not going to be in the majority much longer. There's going to be a tidal wave of lefties uh, taking back our state, mm-hmm. and if, if we don't realize that, mm-hmm. it's going to be a sad day in hell because I'm going to be one vicious negative old man, mm. and I will keep you from sleeping because I'll call you every day, crank calling you. See, because of you! Look at Ocasio-Cortez. She's governor of Florida. Governor of Florida, right. Well, her her mother did move from New York to Florida because of the high taxes in New York. Oh, that makes me a profit, doesn't it? <laughs> okay? This is yep. the problem. There's a there's price to be paid for, uh, for errors of omission, and our society is uh, experiencing the errors of omission. First, slavery, obviously mm-hmm. the error of omission. What was our second era of emission? Grotesque era of emission. 17th Amendment, taking the states out of our federal system. Bingo! And what's our third omission? Uh, letting the teachers union take control of our educational system. No, it's later. Social Security. And now, then came Castro in Cuba. And well, that's that the was revocation a, of the Monroe Doctrine, in effect. And the denial of our manifest destiny. Could that be. is slowly sinking into you because now you realize there's 24 million illegals and it's direct result of Castro's influence on Latin American mm-hmm. economies. Now, have you noticed when he's really pensive and he's flipping around his papers, 
It's not the Bible he's reading. He's trying to remember his counterpoints to what I say. No, no, I don't have any counterpoints. They're fine. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I disagree. Problem. Submissive housewife is what no. I have here in the studio with me. <laughs> Complete, you know. No, I th- yeah, I think that uh, you. I think you're onto something with this uh, parent empowerment uh, statute. Yeah, and, the yeah. statute's called the Florida Parent Empowerment Law Statute 1002. 33 clause 3b and i want to change it to parent guardianship parentguardianshipschool.com okay under the governing school act okay so what's next you've got 9 minutes to tell me that we're going to before we go to the statutes and stories no we don't have statutes and stories today oh we don't adam levinson asked for make more it. money yes so he's holding out for more we cash have, no he couldn't make it so we have gary hoover who was called before He's based in Flatonia, Texas. Oh, my God. He, Flatonia? Flatonia. Oh, flat. Flatonia. And he is an entrepreneur. Uh, back in the 80s, he founded Bookstop, which was sold to Barnes & Noble. He's also founded... Oh, but Ho- he didn't know what the, Lips, the Leipzig connection was. I remember, well, okay. I remember and, him And now. he also founded Hoovers.com, which has all his company information. So he'll be Hoover. calling in... Hoover.com? Hoover's.com. That's vacuum cleaners. Yes, and he's going to be calling in because he's, he started a new business history center. He's fascinated throughout his life by business history. You know, um, Sears, Montgomery Ward, all, all retailer, every every area of business. How about he's Ace Hardware, to, man? You didn't... A, there you go, Ace Hardware. I'm sure there's a history to that, too. And uh, he's going to be calling in and telling us about his new museum or center. It's, a, it's, not, a, it's not an actual museum. It's a, a website. So it's a vir- virtual museum, uh, which contains information on business history. So you're teleported into the museum from here? Do you have to be yes. in the studio to be teleported? Or no? no, no, no. But you just have to go on the Internet, and he's going to tell us about that. And Flat that's, that's at 7. At 7, 7, 8. He's filling. He's uh, substituting for Adam. Oh, I thought you meant that he was taking on statues and stories no, on his no, behalf. No, it, no. It's not statues and stories. This is business history hour. Okay, so he's going to discuss with us business history. Yep. Now, if that's the case, it's not really a concrete conservative show. Oh, he's very con- concrete and conservative, yes. So we just keep on running for an hour then? Sure. So I don't record it as a separate show is what I'm You asking. might want to know. You should record it as a separate business history hour because— You're going to bring your A game because you've want, been on your B game all day Yeah, today. but he's going to want to uh, use that uh, for his own purposes, then put it on his own website. So I think that's good. Oh, so in other words, yeah. you're accommodating— him, not and us. us. Yes, both of us. Oh, really? Yes. Sounds like a Democrat. No. No? No. I don't know but what no, we're going to do. Gary's starting this business history center. and What, uh, is it membership only or what? Uh, you're welcome to make a contribution. Oh, and we are also asking for contributions. No, no. We're, 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 a, we're a 501c3 radio station. Yep. We could really, really... Uh, we collaborate with Gary. Because right now we're being total concrete conservative Republicans self-funding this thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I should get a lot more credit than you should get. Absolutely. Because you're, you're probably out there telling your wife that you're self-funding this with me. No, no, I'm not. You know, because she's letting you come out here. But Gary Gary is, uh, is going to And you want take her to car to come on. out of here, don't you? You take her car away mm-hmm. so you can come out. And she's probably thrilled to let you out of the house. So right. that's why I get the brownies that she cooks every yep. once in a while. You like the brownies? I still oh. got. I still got two. Oh, great! I'm cutting down into little small pieces because I have that problem. Yep. And I'm not supposed to be eating these things. You're not supposed to be eating them. So right. what I do? I get to string it out. 
How long is you, you gave it to me two weeks ago? Yep. Maybe even longer. And man, I still, got, still two. got some. Two. They're That's like the good. size of ice cubes, like the old style square ice cubes. There's two of them there, and I'm gonna have one as soon as I leave here. <laughs> now, now that you mentioned it, because yours, I don't know how you taught her to put dulce de leche underneath the chocolate. Dulce de leche and chocolate. Brownie. Come on, that's Cuban by injection for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> and she's listening, so he can't say, "Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah." Uh, that's why he's yes. But Gary, make American Gary great will be on for an hour. Uh, he'll be talking about business history, and I, I thought that would be very interesting because uh, you know we need to fill in for Adam couldn't make it today. So you're basically, I just put the quarter back in the jukebox, and I got the same. Repertoire? I thought you were repeating yourself. Mm-mm. You're not. All right, so we're going to end the Concrete Conservative show. Will you give yep. me permission? Absolutely. And we're going to just put on Kiss, you know, calling for Dr. Love from 1976. So this is the end of the Concrete Conservative on WSQF Blink Radio. Stay free, my friends. We'll be back in about three minutes. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.